Gael Garcia Bernal. GGB, baby. GGBs. Gael Garcia overall. Overalls? Because <laughs> he's wearing overalls in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Wilson Lai. I'm Benjamin Yap. I'm Eli Sands. And you're listening to Deep Cut. <laughs> Is that the sound of a flamethrower? Yeah, we'll replace it in post. <laughs> <laughs> On Deep Cut, we compare a director's most popular film with a personal favorite chosen by one of us. We also discuss that director's life and career to bring in context that helps us view their movies as they may want us to. Pablo, 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 <laughs> what have you done now? <laughs> he made a movie. <laughs> he, he did make a movie. <laughs> Welcome all to our second episode on one of the hottest directors at the moment right now with one of the most anticipated films of the year. Last week, Eli introduced us to Pablo Lorraine's highly regarded Jackie. And this week, for our deep cut pick, it is my turn, and it is my honor for a deep, dark cut, maybe a dark horse. I am so ready to get into this extremely divisive, love it or hate it, Emma. <laughs> so, sweet deal. I saw Emma when Mubi released it for a day in selected countries uh, in 2019, and I absolutely adored it the first time around. I really wanted to discuss it today. Well, first of all, because I've only seen three Lorraine movies and I haven't seen The Club or No. Um, but if we are zeroing in on his later career in preparation for Spencer, I think this cannot be disregarded and must be talked about. We need to talk about Emma. <laughs> yes, we do need to talk about Emma. <laughs> Before we get into why I love this movie so much, I want to hear from my incredible co-host, oh. who I might be battling a little bit today. <laughs> That's why I'm I'm buttering your toast before I, I flamethrow your, your toast, I guess. That's, that's the metaphor. <laughs> I'm supposed to toast it first. That's why it's toast. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so what is your relationship with this movie, guys? After you, dear Ben. After me? Oh. Uh, I remember watching this movie when it came out on Mubi. That's with a B. <laughs> Mubi with a B, Jesse. <laughs> and being really underwhelmed because the only other Larian film I've seen is Jackie, which I liked a lot when I first saw it at that time. I could see the similarities between Emma and Jackie mm. in terms of how certain scenes are shot and certain shots are shot. But I felt like it was using the same tools but failing to capture the magic that Jackie did. Watching it the second time, I was actually more disappointed than the first time. <laughs> oh. That is what I expected! <laughs> Because, like, I don't tend to revisit movies. Usually, it's either a movie I really like or it's a movie for, for the podcast. <laughs> so, this is one for just the latter, I guess. <laughs> but I was hoping to find something that would make me see it the same way that Wilson saw it. 
but I was failing to find mm. those reasons and was more finding the reasons why I was tepid on it the first time. Mm. And I will get into why those things are. <laughs> the biggest issue I had with this was that I felt an extreme disconnect and distance from Emma, the title character. And I felt like I couldn't get into her headspace. And because of that, there was no way that this movie was going to get its hooks at me mm. the way that it wanted to. Right. Mm. So yeah, that's my reaction. Hmm. Interesting. I'm excited to talk about it with you. <laughs> Eli? I, I find that Ben is zeroing in on some of the things that I'm thinking about too in terms of how Lorraine constructs a movie around the perspective of the character without necessarily letting you fully into the mind of that character. I watched it this morning. Wow, this must have been an early morning, Eli. <laughs> At like, what, 4 a.m.? <laughs> I'm an early riser. <laughs> I thought I could read it on Letterboxd and let them know how I feel going in, but I'll build the suspense a little bit. <laughs> oh, please do, please do. Should, should I drum roll into this reaction? No, you should reggaeton beat into my reaction. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. If Ben is digging in his heels, I am dancing to the beat. I really enjoyed it. Oh, sweet! Oh, my God! Oh, Oh my God! Oh, Oh my God! I'm gonna die! This is incredible! (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy! It's gonna be a fight. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh. It feels like a win, but I didn't need it. It's not a competition. (laughs) I think one of the things that helped frame Emma for me was seeing Wilson's Letterboxd review for his rewatch, which talked about how it feels like the movie is bending its construction around Emma. And that in combination with, again, what Ben was saying about keeping us outside of Emma's mind fully, I think is a really important and intricate dance. And Lorraine is incredible at constructing just the right movie for the main character. Yeah. And I think this is what I didn't fully find in Neruda. Mm-hmm. So I've seen Jackie, I've seen Neruda, and now I've seen Emma. And I think for the movies where he's focusing on one character, he does a really good job of building out that movie from that character. Neruda is a little bit split between the characters of Pablo Neruda and this fictional policeman played by Gael Garcia Bernal. And it's a little bit bifurcated because of that. Mm-hmm. And I felt confused by it. Here, there is total clarity, while also keeping you, again, outside of Emma's mind. At a distance. But you have emotional intimacy with her. Yes, you do. And physical intimacy. That's also true. You kind of just have to ride the wave, and it's a pretty cool wave. I like it a lot. Oh, that makes me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) I adore this movie. I, I really do think that I love this movie more than I love Jackie. There are a few things about it that really, I guess, speak to me. First of all, Lorraine made this right after he made Jackie. And it was sort of a situation where Jackie was so tightly constructed with so many moving parts, with financiers from all over the world, with so many producers. With this one, in the, in the interviews that he gave for Emma, it felt like he wanted to throw the playbook out. Mm. These are the sort of movies that I really love. Like, Chunking Express, Wong Kar Wai made that in between shooting periods of Ashes of Time, which was a really big martial arts epic. And he 
turned out this little gem <laughs> masterpiece of a movie in like a couple months and like wrote scenes every day. And Emma felt very similar. They approached it with an outline of a story in mind with his frequent writer collaborators, Guillermo Calderon and Alejandro Moreno. But when they started shooting, they would write scenes day to day. So everything felt very fresh and actors Mm. were not given the outline of the script. They were only given the scenes that they were going to shoot day to day. So everything that they're performing is very much in the moment. So I think much like character intentions and character actions that feel very raw and spontaneous make sense in that, that context. And it was produced by his brother, and it, it uh, like he wanted to start from scratch this, this sort of movie mm. where he wanted to just do it on his own and sort of establish a new way of telling stories as well. Because the other big thing that I really loved about Emma is that it was, I guess it was also, it was one of the few movies that came out in 2019 that really focused on body movement and dance Mm. and I was really getting into that that year but what I thought was very incredible on this rewatch was how so much of what we learn about the characters are expressed by the way that they move especially Emma like so many of the Mm. scenes in this movie occur dialogue free and how you try to see how they are feeling is how they move how they have they move in relation to one another so that's why it's really important for Emma to be a really sexual horny character because that is how she connects with other people and how she gains power over other characters in this movie and that's how she sort of creates this gravitational pull around her as well as she is a dancer at the same time she's it's not just a movie about sex for power's sake she talks about how she does what she wants and she legitimately has enough space in her sexual and romantic and caring energy to bring all these people in. Mm -hmm. There's a montage towards the end of the movie that is just blue light sex scenes with all her friends and enemies and people that she cares about in one way (laughs) or another. And it doesn't feel malicious. It doesn't feel dirty. It's an expression of Emma's feelings. And the wants that she has long term because she does have a long game in this movie. Mm -hmm. Yes, she does. Which is also why it's surprising to me to hear that the lead actress did not know the long arc of the movie of what Emma was going for. (laughs) And that's that's a little crazy because the story takes you so far. So from the start of the movie, the context that you're given is through sort of this back and forth a scene where they deliver context to you through either dialogue, basically through through conversations that they have, which they reveal that Gail Garcia Bernal's character Gaston and Emma, played by Mariana Di Girolamo, had a son named Polo, who they adopted, and due to different issues and circumstances, one of which being Polo has a a knack for lighting things on fire, mm-hmm. including Emma's sister's face. But it's not just due to that Gaston and Emma decide to give Polo back to the Child Protective Services. 
And this is relayed to us through a sort of cutting back and forth between conversations that Emma and Gaston have and a dance performance where you see Emma and the dance troupe performing and Gaston on the side as the choreographer. And it is a very interesting scene because you sort of oscillate back and forth between a really highly stylized, I guess also very visceral, emotional dance performance with these talky scenes. But I think that really helps in getting you ready for what sort of movie that you're 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 gonna watch <laughs> it is a good primer into it ben i i just want to get into <laughs> get into the, the reasons why you didn't like this movie i want to i want to hash things out with you ben uh i think man okay i get into this i think that distance that you have from emma is because you don't really know what the long game is. Mm-hmm. And so the film becomes a bit of a mystery box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what's the name of that guy? <laughs> oh, no. J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yes, J.J. Abrams. This is like a J.J. Abrams mystery box film. Because uh... you're seeing events unfold, but you don't know what is happening. Okay, so one of the issues I first had was the opening first act. When it's trying to establish the situation. Right. I was confused as to why so much of that situation was played out through dialogue exposition Mm. when I felt like seeing those things happen might give us a better way of understanding what is happening with the situation because it's using dialogue to lay a few things here. It's trying to lay that they had a son that they adopted, trying to lay the relationship between Gaston and Emma, trying to show that they are fractured but are in love and that she wants to be a mother. And then also that Polo burned down the house that the sister was in and then injured her. And then something to do with how they returned the kid to Child Productive Services. And so that is a lot to try and shove down the audience's eyeballs within like the first 10 minutes through dialogue only. And I really wondered like, what kind of movie would this be if this was told in a more straightforward fashion? where we could see these things happen. Because one of my first things was that I couldn't really understand Emma's stubbornness in wanting to have Polo back because we never see Polo until like halfway through the movie. And when I see it, I'm like, oh, this is the first child I'm seeing, so it must be Polo. But it's unclear even at that point. And so that clarity was a bit was a bit of a struggle for me as, as a viewer because it's like making me do work, but I don't really need to do that work. It's not like interesting work. It's just work to figure out what you're trying to tell me. So that was like one of those key things, like one parts of Emma's identity that it's trying to tell you in the first 10 minutes. I don't understand why it's there because it's not giving me enough to justify those things. And so because you don't have that sense of why does she want Polo back so badly? You never see that relationship between her and Polo. Then it's confusing or hard to relate to her when she goes on her little like heist (laughs) where she plots Mm -hmm. with her dancer friends how to get Polo back. And you don't actually know that that's what she's doing. Like, if it was a film where you know her plan is to get Polo back, but you don't know how these steps make sense to get there, that could work. But here it's, she's doing A, B, C, D, but you don't know what Z is until you're, like, much further in the film, then you kind of understand what she's doing. Just not being in her head was so frustrating for me as a viewer anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I just couldn't be on her side because I don't even know what her side is. So I think that's one of the big things for me, plot-wise and character-wise that really make it difficult for me to Mm -hmm. to really sink myself into this film. In my opinion, I do think the delayed revelation in regards to Emma's plan worked for me in a way in which it was 
I guess, shocking and exciting and seeing all the pieces come together felt like, oh, this makes sense in this really sick, twisted way that even gets more twisted and more sick as we get to the to the last scene of the film. <laughs> and I just think this is just a film that, like, it really is Emma's world and we are, even as audience members, we are living in it. Yes. We do not have a say. Like, that's what I love is she dictates this whole movie in the way that Jackie's grief or mental state takes over Jackie in that way. Emma's cold, calculated, I don't like, like crazy energy is just flowing through this movie. And that's why I can forgive so many of the different plot things because I do think that at the end of the day that's sort of secondary you're in the movie for the thrill that's what he gives you Mm. that digs into the second thing that like I found difficult was that Emma as a character for me was not especially compelling because there's a few seductions that she does right of the married couple that have adopted Polo yeah and to be honest I did not buy the seductions. No, I did. And the movie trying to sell me Emma as an unstoppable sexual force, (laughs) I didn't really buy it. And like, I felt like it was too convenient and too easy. And so if I look at this film in the way that you're telling me, which is to look at it as Emma's gravitational pull, then I have to look at the film as if all this is easy because we are within somehow her head. Because this feels like a fantasy of somebody who thinks that this could happen. But then so many things are quite ridiculous in this film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I think the fact that it's ridiculous, but not necessarily creating its own world for me, made it hard to like figure out where the hell this film landed for me. Hmm. Like, look at how she seduces the firefighter, right? Mm-hmm. She finds a flamethrower and then <laughs> burns her own car oh, yeah. so that the firemen can come find her so that she could talk to the firefighter who works at a bar so she could seduce him along with the rest of her girlfriend. Hell yeah! <laughs> what about this is confusing, then? <laughs> it's confusing because it felt like rather than going at this in a way that was like simple, like it's like the most convoluted but also requiring a lot of convenience and coincidence to get there. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, but if you didn't do it this way, you wouldn't get a flamethrower, Ben. <laughs> yeah, but that's a struggle for me as, as a viewer. Like, in the way that I've seen movies is that it's hard for me to see something for the sake of the thing. You know what I mean? It comes to a style versus substance thing, but I don't really want to put that as the reason hmm. why I don't think it's a good movie, but rather that things are kind of put on the screen because they want to put things on the screen. Uh... And then it kind of feels like I'm just looking at stuff. Hmm. You know, and they're just kind of strung together and I don't care enough. I think one of the images that helps me feel calibrated for the movie comes right at the top, which is a traffic light, (laughs) red, green and yellow, burning. And Emma is standing nearby with her lit (laughs) flamethrower. This is the opening shot of the... Yeah. Yeah. I know that we are typically discouraged from a one-to-one reading of a sign and the signified meaning. But to me, that feels like a message to destroy the notions of what should and should not be and what you are told to do or enjoy. And, you know, in terms of the steps of the movie, having an unclear goal in the end, which again is how the actors 
performed the movie not knowing the ultimate endpoint. That, for me, hits the same button as watching something like a Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, mm. where the whole movie is a long process sequence, if you think about it, right? Yeah. We see Emma going after this goal that isn't quite clear to us, but we see her completing the steps, almost like she's constructing a machine, and we don't know what the machine is going to be used for. And I enjoy being a little bit behind and trying to figure things out. I was even confused at points about the identity of Raquel, who is Polo's new adopted mother, and a lawyer who, similarly to the firefighter, Emma seduces in order to needle her way into Raquel's life, but also has genuine affection for Raquel. (laughs) And I wasn't sure if, across different scenes, I was seeing the same person playing Raquel. But trying to figure that out is something that I kind of enjoy, and... In the case of this movie, playing catch-up to Emma's worldview and goals and philosophy is part of the experience of understanding her character. It's pushing you out in order to draw you into her sphere of influence. As Wilson's saying, it's her movie, it's her world, and we end up living in it. It's only towards the very end when Emma is explaining her plot to all her friends and lovers and new constructed family and her voice kind of fades out and you just look at the faces of the people sitting around her and they look kind of devastated and confused i think it's only then that the movie asks you to consider was this all okay <laughs> i think it's a really fascinating construction and i like the delayed exposition and it's kind of fun and it's a bit of a tease Mm -hmm. but I also totally understand why it is frustrating and can leave you feeling with an incomplete sense of why this was all here. I'm thinking that it'll be richer on a rewatch but I can also see how it would be more disappointing on a rewatch for you Ben given the things that you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's like a sort of like it clicks or it doesn't click. Yeah. Type situation. Hmm. I think the fact that it doesn't click for me is like immutable. Like it's just going to be that way for me. Hmm. And I think it's just the kind of way that, not that I can explain it, the way that I watch films, like the way that my attention works Mm -hmm. when I'm looking at something on the screen. Talking about that ending, what I find interesting is that I really like the ending as a premise on paper. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And Thinking about it that way and then using the premise to understand, okay, what is Emma's worldview makes sense to me. But I think the big issue I have is that then I feel that the ending feels quite unearned. Because what we have in the ending is that Emma seduces the new adoptive couple of Polo. Separately from each other. Separately. So they don't know that the other spouse is having an affair with the same person. (laughs) The moment when they realize (laughs) is really funny. She seduces them individually, keeps her relationship with Gaston going, and then basically brings them all together to say, let's all be four parents to Polo together in like a polyamorous commune kind of thing. And then also I have a bunch of girlfriends I also like to fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, Emma is trying to um, symbolize or like to be a kind of agent of like free love and like being capable of loving many, many people, which I understand as a concept. It doesn't really sell me on Emma's worldview very well because when she is seducing them, 
I don't think those scenes are especially interesting because it doesn't sell me on the idea that she truly, genuinely wants to have a relationship with them. For this ending for me to work is that I need to see that, yes, she does love all these people, but then because Emma is such a cipher, and if anything, more of a calculative, manipulative person in a sense, then it's confusing whether is she just a manipulative person or is she a person who actually loves everyone? Because I would like to prefer that she loves everyone, but now mm. I just feel like she used everyone. I mean, that's the right question. Well, why can't she be both, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she can be both, but then, like, there's one movie I'd rather watch. <laughs> and right now, it's not either for mm. me, you know? Mm-hmm. And because it's not strong in its ability to tell me anything, then it's not painting the character for me. Mm. Then it feels like it's not making a character. It's just, here's a bunch of stuff. Mm. So that's why it doesn't click yeah. for me. Like, I, I can't get into her worldview. No matter how much critical distance you can have from a character and still empathize with them, For this one, it doesn't even feel like it's giving me enough tools to empathize with them. Mm. I have a really good Lorraine quote for this conversation. And it's an interview that he gave with Mubi. And the question was about Emma being the, the subject of the film. And he says, quote, I think it's Emma. Yes, it's her in her way. She wants to express her love, her idea of family, of desire, and of dance, too. I think that she is somehow in the logic of the movie. The sun, you know? (laughs) You could probably feel as if everything is built around her. And if you get too close, you could burn yourself. So for us, she represents, in a way, Mother Nature, who is tender and sweet, but at the same time, very tough and determined. I think it's a movie about her in her own circumstances. I like that. I definitely agree with the bit about the sun. The power that she has is that she can create and inspire desire in those around her, including the audience, to be magnetized towards her. I also think that in terms of understanding, and also going back to Ben's earlier thought about the exposition-heavy dialogue at the top of the movie, a really interesting facet of this movie to me is the dialogue style. It's very poetic where characters will have these long kind of soliloquies that are really musical in their rhythm and content and are kind of screeds in a sense. There are some tidbits that are dropped that I think are really useful. I already talked about how Emma said she does what she wants. That's a really important one. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm thinking now about how destruction is a creative act. To Emma. And that's why what she does is not wrong to her, yeah. whether or not we think it is. She is making something new and moving people around her towards that style of free love that Ben has described. Yeah. And it's forcible, but it's also creative. She's making something new. Yeah, and arguably done out of love. Arguably. The question of is it out of love or out of her own want or what have you, is something that's left open-ended on purpose. And I really like that. It leaves you the space to come into the movie and decide. Mm -hmm. And I don't fully know how I feel. I like that feeling of confusion and ambivalence here. Yeah. I also really love how dance is interspersed throughout the film. Like, because you do have the context of the artist muse between Gaston and Emma, Mm -hmm. Gaston being the choreographer and Emma being the dancer, and sort of a side plot to her quest to get Polo back 
there is this other significant chunk of the film where her and the other mainly female dancers, but also dancers who seemingly grew up in the town of Valparaiso, which is where the movie is fully set and shot in. It's this sort of hilly seaport town. And this subgroup within Gaston's dance group breaks away because they want to dance reggaeton music. The music of the streets, which is what they call it. And Gaston not being from Valparaiso and also being more high-minded, artsy. Snobby. Snobby. Really rebels against that and has this big monologue about it being the prison of your mind. Prison music. Yeah, prison music (laughs) where the repetitive nature sort of like gets you thinking like horrible thoughts and then in response to that the <laughs> Emma and one of the other female dancers just like make out in front of him and I was like, this is great <laughs> yeah you just don't need a don't need a response it's a wonderful defense of pop music and statement of the value of pop and another sort of thematic and experiential indicator of how you should go through this movie to me yes yes to enjoy it and to see it as a celebration, even though it is touching on topics of oppression and yeah. the kind of prison that Emma is in, in some senses. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What I wanted to really highlight was all the dance sequences from the more experimental dance that is shown at the start towards the more reggaeton beats and dancing they do in the streets, which I think are all like so beautifully constructive mm-hmm. and also show... I guess, a progression of Emma coming into power. You see her gaining confidence throughout the film, but also you see it through the dancing that she does. Each subsequent dance number or music video they have, they basically do make a few music videos that they place within the movie. She gets more powerful in her dance moves. And then by the last one, she's carrying a flamethrower and it's, <laughs> it's full it's full throttle. You're strapped in for the ride. And I think it really could have played out in a way that it felt so weird swinging back and forth between these really highly stylized dance sequences and these long and poetic dialogue sequences. But I do think they they really work when placed next to each other or placed in sequence after each other. And, oh, and I have another quote from Lorraine where he says, In the practicality of the movie, yes, we kind of flirt at one time with the music video aesthetic. This was intentional, but we always stayed in the cinematic space. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have those choreographies and sequences unfold in a way that could, you know, add a layer onto the narrative and create an emotional device that would help the audience connect in a very visceral way. So I think in the ways that we are distanced from Emma, there is another sort of cinematic language that is being used to draw us closer to her emotional being, which yes. I don't think a lot of, like, no, not a lot of other films, they use blocking and they use, like, I guess your character demeanor, actor's demeanor to express how they feel. But so rarely do directors use movement and action and touch. These just very tactile things that you usually, in real life, you feel. Mm. But seeing it being expressed and seeing it being felt by the actors and the characters on screen you sort of have that secondhand feeling Mm. at least that's what i had and that's why that is what made this movie sort of transcend any like regular drama to me is because you see 
Lorraine really trying to communicate with his audience using a new language. And I, in my opinion, really succeeding. And this is not just to say about the dance sequences, because so much of the movie is is based on action and touch, like the sex sequences. Or even like right after Emma grabs Polo from the, the school, that at the end of the movie where she sort of kidnaps him, there is this wordless scene in the cab. They look at each other and then they place their heads together. And it's it's just so incredibly moving, but also dialogue-free. It's a distinct cinematic language, but more than Lorraine's choice, it feels like Emma's choice because it's her language, dance. Another way to put what you're saying, Wilson, is that without dance sequences, without Emma being a dancer as part of her character, this movie, I think, becomes a lot more confusing and you're so much further outside of Emma's experience. Here you get to experience her passion and her drive through those dance sequences. And they're also where I started to notice some links to Jackie stylistically. Mm. There are some music video sequences, as we're calling them, where time jumps between each shot and the dance is sort of continuous and it's a cut on action. Yeah. But it's a new location and Emma's wearing a new outfit and that sort of thing. And that reminded me a lot of the montage type scenes where time jumps between every shot that we discussed in last week's episode on Jackie. Yeah. Like another big stylistic link between the two is how both films really rely on steady cam yeah. shots, like really smooth tracking shots through space, like attached to a moving body. Like you follow someone moving through a space. And that is like a really big link that highlights character movement in both films. Mm. But I think the biggest difference being the widescreen crop in Emma and the 4.3 16mm footage in Jackie is that Jackie is so much more confined to her inner psyche, whereas Emma is sort of, you see her influence outside of her. And that's why you can have these widescreen shots where she's interacting with different people, be it dancing in front of them or seducing them one-on-one. It's really beautiful to see how a director just within the span of like back-to-back features is able to like utilize similar stylistic features but also like not carry a lot of what they've been using prior to this because Neruda sort of feels like Jackie. It's a historical film that is sort of shot very similarly or cleanly in that way. Similar sense of austerity I'd say but Neruda does have some kind of playful trademarks like it uses rear projection Mm -hmm to fake driving sequences as would happen in like the early to mid 20th century for car scenes but on the whole yeah it is the same sort of grandiose I suppose somewhat self-important style that again Lorraine totally is able to pull off but here there is less pretension while still kind of being just as stylish and cool I think he's really going for cool this time around Cool but intense. Yes. Uh, On our Google Doc that Wilson made to talk about this movie, we have potential discussion topics, and they are, in all caps, why, what, the fuck, sex, dance, life. I agree. It's very hard because you really could go into, like, the intricacies, like, go down that route and, like, discuss, like, what is this movie trying to say? that takes the fun out of the movie. 
like I want to talk about how because she didn't want to talk to the lawyer when like and seduce her through words she just stood up on her table and started dancing to her and that's how she got to her in the first place just so many choices that are made in this movie sort of do not follow the logic of how people act and how people react to things but because you are operating in emma's movie it makes sense and it works and you buy it at least in my case i bought it therefore was an effective fun watch I do have to ask though, because now I've just been listening to both of you talk about how much you like the movies. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, how are you doing <laughs> So, like, my kind of thing that I need to pick on and, like, have to investigate in the way that both of you are watching the movie is that the example that you just gave, Wilson, is still a plot because it's in the writing. It's like the script says, okay, she seduces her by dancing reggaeton on the table. But I found that many scenes fell flat for me because it didn't feel like he was doing that much to really inject those scenes with something like special to make Emma feel like something special. Yes, she does all these wild and crazy things, but seeing her do it the way that he frames it feels a little flat. Like that scene, she's like, I can't pay you back and give you a dance or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then it just cuts to white and she dances on the table. And then you cut the reaction shot of Raquel who is watching and laughing. I'm all for simplicity, but here we need to sell something that is unusual and i'm still not sold on emma's magnetism hmm. and the so-called gravitational pull both of you keep mentioning <laughs> because i feel like the movie doesn't do enough to push me there in terms of cinematic style and form hmm. it's a bit of a bummer because i think it could have gone there and on paper this sounds very interesting you know Hmm. to have a force of nature character like Emma that can basically bend everyone to her will and to her scheme or whatever. And that sounds very exciting on paper, but it's like I wish this had like a Wong Kar Wai kind of like secret sauce or something. Mm -hmm. I watched All That Jazz yesterday. Ooh. All That Jazz does a lot with its dance and music sequences. Like it goes all the way, but here I feel like the dance sequences don't really go all the way and I struggle to feel like they really find a way to make themselves stand out. Like that final sequence, aside from the use of a flamethrower, is pretty simple shots of them dancing reggaeton and then cutting to similar types of shots in different locales where they're dancing reggaeton and doing the same choreography. And it really felt like he could have used some different kind of coverage of the actions of reggaeton that rhythmic repetitive actions to really show you how this thing is infectious in terms of the rhythm of the beat within the bodies of the dancers not just as a thing to see in different locations so to me those things feel a little uninspired mm. and there's just a wish like i mean all the jazz is on another level <laughs> in terms of like cinematic history right yes so i don't want to say that that's a standard it needs to kind of like hit but it feels like it should be inspired to try and do something crazier with these different sequences. Hmm. Like, I mean, even in the... I, I called it the mega sex scene, the blue yeah, sex sequence. Yeah. Like, I found that really interesting. But even that one, I was like, there could have been more here as well. You know, like, on paper, this is so crazy. But on screen, I felt like it wasn't doing enough somehow. Like, it just felt like because it's using that kind of similar... City cam style from Jackie mm -hmm. and it wasn't really switching it up enough that I wish you could have done more there are certain mm -hmm. scenes that stand out for me that actually employ simpler techniques right 
the scene where she seduces the firefighter in the bar mm-hmm. is interesting from a blocking standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yes, very. Because he uses the female dancer friends around Emma. Yeah. And then the shot, reverse shot between a single person and a group of women is interesting. And that is kind of a variation of how he usually covers scenes, which is usually with like that steady cam follow stuff. Yeah, so it's kind of stuff like that that like I am thinking about when I'm watching this. I feel like there's so many missed opportunities to like really push this for me to a level where like I can just vibe with it on a on a stylistic mm-hmm. basis. Hmm. Yeah, then now it's kind of like neither here nor there. Like, and so I kind of just feel like I'm sitting in the middle. Mm. You know, it's funny that you say sitting in the middle because I did want to talk about how he uses shot reverse shot here. Mm. And I think this is an example of where I'm feeling that secret sauce that you described, Ben. Okay. I think he's using some simple techniques very effectively in a way that does not draw too much attention to the authorial hand Lorraine has. Instead, it sort of bolsters the actions that you're watching on screen and the performances. Mm -hmm. So the shot reverse shot example is that Lorraine covers these dialogue sequences between opposing parties like Gaston and Emma, or Anibal the firefighter and Emma, really pretty much anyone versus Emma, in shot reverse shot that places the camera directly between the two parties. Yeah. Very similar to the Jackie journalist interviews, right? That's true. It places you directly in the middle and either makes you feel the crossfire or asks you to evaluate the conversation and see where you land on it. It's a thing that is quietly visceral, Similarly, those dance sequences where it is mostly wides and the edit is not too complicated and the type of shot is not varied is hypnotic and repetitive and I think gets you onto the plane of how Emma feels the music in a way where you are just observing her body movement and the movement of the people around her if she's dancing with other people. And the difference with Fosse, of course, is that he uses editing as a tool to convey the feeling of the music itself in a very different way. Mm. He pushes the edit and is very aggressive with the edit Mm. in a way that, you know, I love. I adore Cabaret. And also, we should absolutely talk Fosse at some point. We have to do all that jazz. It has to happen. (laughs) I feel an effectiveness in the simplicity of the techniques and the kind of hypnoticism of the repetition of technique yeah yeah i think it's quite difficult for me to put a finger on this like why it doesn't work because i'm always a person that is for the simplest solution yeah Mm -hmm. you know i'm actually not a person who is into flashy editing like as much as i love all that jazz and how it pushes the edit and the aggression in this edit it's not necessarily the thing i'm always gravitating towards Mm -hmm. Like, if I were to give a reason as to why I think this doesn't work, and I think it's just that because I'm not invested, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you shoot something on those wides, like, you need to be certain that the audience is along for the ride. Yeah. And when they are along for the ride, then the wide shots work. Then they can insert themselves. You don't need to get close. They want to get close. Ooh. And it's a very interesting balance. This isn't really about this film, but I think this is kind of like how certain different art house directors make it work in terms of wide shots. Like they have to create an investment where the wide shot is a shot that makes you want to lean into it rather than it's a shot that's having you see that outside. And I mean, very different films, but like films from like Yang, uh, Edward Yang, and like films from like even Hamaguchi, like, like they're very kind of sedate and keep you away. 
or even Romare, which we talked about recently, mm-hmm. they use very simple coverage, but they need to like give you that investment to make you want to lean in, even when they're not so close to the characters in terms of the shot. And I think for this one, just by virtue of the fact that I'm not there for whatever reason, then I think that's why those sequences don't have that effect on me. It's a bit of a gamble, I think, when a filmmaker does that. Yeah. When it doesn't, you push the edit. Because similarly, those other filmmakers can also be alienating for other viewers who are not interested in those characters. Oh, definitely. Hmm. I think with this film, I do think Lorraine was really fascinated by dance and movement and really wanted to highlight that, thus agreeing with Eli when he said that he wanted to focus on the movements that they were making and showing them fully instead of chopping them up and highlighting each movement. You want to see the body as a whole and how the body interacts with the space and how the body interacts with other bodies around them. And I guess also like reading all these interviews, he really wanted to give his audience not just an emotional connection, but an inexplainable skin connection. Mm. He keeps on talking about how this movie can get under your skin through the dance sequences. And that's what I really think really sold me in that beginning sequence, because without the switching back and forth between the dance and the dialogue-heavy context scenes, I don't think I would be as invested because... Dance is sort of like a way of externalizing your inside feelings through what your body is doing, right? And through that, for me, I feel like I can already get such a really big sense of who you are as a person through the way that you dance. Hmm. And there's a quote that I really love when uh, Lorraine says, So, for example, if you go to a party, you are with people you know very well. So you see them dancing. And the way that they dance is intimately related to who that person is. No one else would ever dance like them. It's like the human voice or face. That human body that everyone has is not repeated. It's unique even though there are billions of us on this planet. No one else would dance the way you do. And that has something very interesting that I think cinema can use really well. I really fully agree with that. I think it was also in, in that year of, of all the dance movies that I watched because it was like Emma and Then We Danced and If It Were Love, which are all like really big, just expressing yourself through the way you move your body movies. What's the No Way movie from 2019? Climax. Oh, Climax. Yeah, I love oh, yeah, Climax. Yeah. So it, it, it just really makes sense from like a Wilson standpoint why I like this movie really worked for me and I just was really invested you know what's really interesting like talking about climax yeah climax is like an inverted version of this for me where i think the plot of climax is completely stupid (laughs) but i really like the dance stuff in climax like climax does the dance stuff really well for me and there are very long sequences of just dance in climax Mm -hmm. and you can really get into it in a way that i didn't find myself getting into in emma which I can't really give a one-to-one comparison right now. It's been a while since I've seen Climax. But yeah, like it's interesting how Climax worked for me from a dance aspect more so than this film Mm. does for me. Hmm. Or I am more into what this film is trying to say in terms of its plot Mm -hmm. and its premise. Hmm. Mm. That's interesting. That Lorraine quotation is making me wonder how I dance. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very lanky. Yeah, that's the first thing I was thinking of too. 
How do you dance, Eli? <laughs> I don't know. I probably wiggle. I'm very, I have very long limbs. Eli, long limbs. I'm very tall. I have a high center of gravity. I can't dance too much or I'll tip over. <laughs> That's how you're going to dance on your head. Mm. You got to spin. You got to break dance. <laughs> You gotta bring your center of gravity down. <laughs> okay. Crouch. I dance by crouching. But I think it's true that a lot of filmmakers nowadays, I think, ignore physicality a lot mm. in terms of what character does. Because mm-hmm. I always find that sometimes certain movies where like you start to pay more attention to how a person's moving or walking or doing stuff that I think he does care about. Like if you look at Jackie, the way that Portman carries herself is actually very important to Jackie yes Mm -hmm. in different contexts oh yeah and so that physicality is very important yeah so I think maybe that's something that can you can draw a line between them as well oh definitely and also both have very eerie scores that were composed by very prominent musicians (laughs) who did this one Nicholas Jar did this one who is incredible and i think the soundtrack is a blend between nicholas jar's original music and also some reggaeton tracks that they used for the film Mm. and they i guess nicholas jar and pablo lorraine went back and forth a lot about sonically constructing the movie to make both sides work and even though they are presented in opposition to each other the contemporary experimental dance stuff and the reggaeton stuff sonically it should work cohesively because one part is the score and one part is also some like of the diegetic sound that they they dance to in the movie Hmm. but yeah both movies have very well well done scores in my opinion i agree you have a heading here that says hair exclamation point exclamation point (laughs) i just love emma's hair in this movie she (laughs) has bleached hair that is sort of slicked back into uh and she just looks like a she looks like a killer like because she looks she stands out so much and she has this power over people by a certain point like i know ben you had issue with like why like what is the reason why she holds so much power over them I, like, sort of took it as, like, she's a superhero, and this is her superpower. Yeah. (laughs) To seduce people very well. And that's why she, like, stands out, and that's why she's different, and that's why this movie's about her, because she has this inexplainable thing that she holds over people. And, like, isn't that amazing to see all this in motion and in action? Maybe it's because I don't like her hair. Maybe that's why I'm (laughs) From the (laughs) get-go. This is some sus character with the hair. I think maybe it's the hair. (laughs) Like, I'm okay to slick back. I I do not know what is happening. It's like she wore headphones and, like, there's a little dent at the neck area. (laughs) And it's just there the whole day. And I'm like... It's not a great look to me anyway. <laughs> like, is, is it out there? Is it different? Yes. <laughs> is it attractive to me? Not really. <laughs> Similarly to the hair that is a big trademark of her character that does not change across the movie, she has one pair of earrings that we see. I think that's a quietly important choice because there are other pairs of earrings that we see, including a big hoop earring with the word girl in the middle of it. And that just makes me think about how the earrings that Emma wears are very nice and confident, but they're not overly flashy. Mm. She never needs what she goes after, but she wants it. And that's why she goes after it. And that kind of confidence is part of this seductive superpower that she has. 
This was her first acting role as well. Wow. Really impressive. Thorin works so well with actors. This is a completely unique Gael Garcia Bernal performance. (laughs) It's crazy. And not just because he's wearing overalls. Yeah. (laughs) I've never seen him act like this. He's unhinged. I was so shocked when he kept on gaslighting her. I was like, oh my god, dude, stop. (laughs) He kept on like repeating the words that Polo says to her, like, mama, don't go. And I was like, mean, very mean of him. GGB, (laughs) stop, dude. So I'm like, you deserve the situation that you find yourself in at the end of this movie. A cuck. None of the kids are yours. Oh <laughs> Maybe he's okay with that. Maybe he's into it. Maybe. But from the look of his face, probably not. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Everyone clearly at the end is uncomfortable. All the people around Emma's new family unit feel very torn. Yeah. It's a really interesting ending, again, because it is keeping you outside of exactly what everyone's feeling, but you can fill in the blanks and imagine that they feel this desire that Emma has inspired in them, that they feel some resentment about having their lives and control wrestled from them by Emma. Yeah. It's a complex stew of emotions. It's complicated, and I think it is also juxtaposed by how matter-of-factly Emma is describing all the things that she did like and how it made sense in her logic of the mind and she's just saying it so calmly and everyone's just around the table just looking at her her poor sister yeah yeah (laughs) she even brought her sister to that who polo burned (laughs) and permanently maimed and now has to be witness to this family unit coming back together and polo being in her life again pretty crazy how do y'all feel about that then like i think it's a bit difficult when i see a character like emma succeed like feel like she doesn't seem to care about other people okay (laughs) even though she says that she loves everyone but then when her sister is getting a haircut to cover the gigantic scar on her face all emma can say is that it's not her fault and that's a bit of a scene that makes me lose respect for a character mm-hmm. a little bit. And that's a bit of a struggle for me. Then at the end, like to say that I'm supposed to root for her because she gets what she wants and it not in like a cool girl boss kind of way, and kind of like <laughs> a, yeah, fuck everyone's life. This is what I want. I want all of you to fuck me. This is my kid yeah. now. That's a difficult line for me to cross and be like, yeah, I'm into this. I'm into this chick doing this. Like, not really. It's not like a nice uncomfortable. It's just kind of like... A, weird to me it's oh weird oh ben but all types of discomfort in movies are productive <laughs> it's so interesting that we are with her on the emotional journey and as wilson says this sort of subterranean connection through her bodily expression and intellectually it's a lot more complicated i find that torsion so fascinating yeah I guess she kind of operates in an anti-hero kind of way. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like, if I think about it that way, it sort of makes sense. I can see how that could work for a viewing experience. But I think for that to work for me would be me being into the things that she's doing, Mm. no matter how bad they are. But there are certain things, I think, for, like, me personally, like, it's a kick the dog kind of action, Mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And once the character kicks the dog, you're like, yeah, no, I can't root for this character. (laughs) Maybe Wilson and I just like flamethrowers. But that's what I love. He goes so close to the line every time. And I'm like, sometimes he even passes it. He even crosses it. Oh, yeah. And, like, respect I have for Emma is probably pretty low, right? But does that affect how much 
I want to see her get her way. Not really. I don't think so. Hmm. I would give myself, like, the distance, like, I guess morally and ethically with the character, but that doesn't take away from my understanding of why she's doing what she's doing. Or, uh, and mm-mm, maybe not why she's doing what she's doing, but just letting her do what she wants to do. <laughs> I think we know what she wants, ultimately. Why she wants so badly to be... I think not just a mother, but Polo's mother in particular, and prove her love to him yes. is a bit of a cipher. Yes. And it gives you that critical distance. I mm-hmm. think it's important to not know why. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating, and it's very fruitful. Yes, it is. Is it, though? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, eh. <laughs> This is not a discussion that's going to go anywhere for either, like, these two sides, I feel. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Like, it's, I think, really a matter of taste. It's just really, like, not much else I can really say along those lines, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Deep Cut. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you liked it. Maybe you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> well, okay, I have a final quote, which sort of like puts it into perspective, I guess, our, our differing views on this movie. Hmm. So it's another Lorraine quote. I'm just pulling all the Lorraine quotes for this movie. <laughs> pulling an Eli. Um, but he says, As you know, there are certain elements, like dance and music, that do not enter solely through your eyes and ears, but also through your skin and fingers, your nose. I don't know. It's just so beautifully, precisely, because it works on the level of the unexplainable. And when you're dealing with things that are unexplainable, then you're dealing with beautiful things that are more abstract, and sometimes they also become poetic. Here, here. And I feel like that not just describes dance, but also this movie very well. And if it works or it doesn't work, I hope you both had a fun experience watching it or just an experience. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that you had an experience. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Any last comments before we before we close out? I'm very curious to see some of Lorraine's earlier work mm-hmm. and to see what he does with the single protagonist when it's a male character, if he does that same sort of building out of the construct of the movie from that character's psyche. Yeah. I'm also deeply curious to see Spencer later this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we will be talking about it. Definitely. So it's going to be coming out in the States in about a month. Oh, wait, really? And where Ben and I live in probably a little bit longer. Could be anywhere. We will try to get our episode up. I'm a Commonwealth country. <laughs> <laughs> we need our UK content. I am also, I am a Commonwealth city. <laughs> we, we do need our Princess Die content. <laughs> As soon as we all see this movie, we are going to get our thoughts into a a nice little neat episode for you guys. But in the meantime, if you guys want us to see any other Lorraine movies, just comment on our Instagram, post on our Discord server, let us know, and we'd be down. I, I, I personally would be down to go deeper into Lorraine's filmography because I feel like we've only scratched the surface of what he's yeah. doing, I guess, right now, yeah. but I do want to sort of explore where he came from. Agreed. Thank you for listening to this episode of Deep Cut. Please rate and review because that helps us keep making the show. Be sure to subscribe to us where you listen to podcasts so you'll know when our next episode drops. You can give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Deep Cut Pod. Join us to talk about movies on our Discord server, to which you'll find a link in the description. Thank you to Justina Yam for our beautiful artwork. I'm Wilson. I'm Ben. I'm Eli. 
Take care, and we're looking forward to talking about more movies with you next time. I'm a big boy.